Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. How's it going, buddy? Going fantastic. Yeah, what's new, Derek? I got lots of sleep last night, so I'm feeling better to record today. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> as uh, as most people heard me complain about, um, or heard you complain about, is I'm usually sleepy and nappy, and I would prefer to record in the mornings. Well, you know, unfortunately, some of us work in the mornings <laughs> and during the day and that sort well, of thing. Well, I'm up at 5 a.m. I have to work at 6. and Yeah. So. So you, if we got up at 3 in the morning. And recorded. Recorded before we work. Then we could go to work and sleep. <laughs> I don't see the problem. We could record on Saturdays. We could if we weren't doing stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Saturdays, my paddling days <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, nothing new? Nothing new. Nothing. It's that time of year where it's mostly, you know, putting the house to bed for the winter and wrapping stuff up in the backyard and, and oh, I'm going to try something new this year. I always rake or, or mulch yep. leaves. I'm going to leave it on the ground this year and You're see You're supposed what, to leave it on the ground. I know you are, but I just keep mowing and mowing and mowing. And actually my lawn needs to be mowed right now. The grass is really long, Don't. but I'm avoiding it. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be left. Like we have our trees in the back and we're supposed to leave most of that on the ground. Yeah. So we, we like the apples and the f- fell and stuff yeah. like that. We do a, a light cleanup, but uh, yeah, we still leave some of it on the ground. For well, I was reading that uh, like my maple tree, my maple tree gets uh, black mossy spots on the leaves. Right. And uh, since I've been mulching and removing the leaves, all those black spots have gone away. I haven't had black spots in about eight years, 10 years. So I'm interested to see if they come back. Because they say, from what I read online, they say that the, leaving the the black m- mossy leaves from the previous the year, it propagates into the next year and it gets worse and worse. And, but to a limit. It Maybe it soaks through into the ground and then the tree soaks it up yeah, through the roots. And it's like and a it's like a mold, a black mold spot or something. Yeah. You know what would cure that? Cutting the tree down. That's the one. <laughs> the tree does have to go. I had giant, in the windstorm, we had a giant branch landed on uh, Stella's little playhouse. Oh, we lost part of our fence. Oh, yeah? Yeah, in that big Halloween storm. Like lost it or just fell down? Fell down. So it's still there. It's still there. But so it's not lost. Well, it's lost its footings. <laughs> it's lost its verticalness. I saw somebody else had a posted that their fence went down too. Is that Kevin? Yes, yeah. yeah Kevin's yeah. fence went down too. His, his, his fence went sort of uh, little leaning, and then his new dog, who's, I guess, about 60 pounds or something. Jumped on it. Decided he would <laughs> jump on it to look over the neighbor's fence, and he ended up over the fence, <laughs> standing on the fence, yeah. I guess. Something like that. So he's propped yeah. it all up now and whatnot. I, I can't be bothered to, I'll fix it in the spring. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it, we have a side gate in the little piece that the... It's partly broken because the gas meter reader guy, oh. and he leaves it open, mm-hmm. the gate and stuff like that, and he just he just hauls on it and stuff. Oh. I've watched him get in there and like, dude, really? Yeah. So yeah, um, it's it's gotten loose and whatnot, and I think that was just sort of. So next year, what I'm going to do is I'm going to redo that whole thing, but I'm going to put the gate farther down, so the gas guy doesn't need to touch it anymore. Or you've put a series of mirrors in. So or I, I just see them, see them. Or I just electrify it. They <laughs> <laughs> come out and there's the gas meter reader guy laying in the neighbor's driveway. <laughs> Twitching. Hey, he's, he's not on my property. <laughs> Seems like a your problem. <laughs> How do neighbor? What's with the body in your driveway? <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> I was watching the fireside chats Kevin Callan yeah. has. I went to the one when we went up to his place with the uh, black and American whiskey. Okay. And uh, we were talking to him and he talking about um, the CBC, going to the CBC. Oh, yes. Bringing animals in. Yeah. And he goes, do you bring, do you bring animals in? Well, the blind ones. Not remember that? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> wait, 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 they bring blind dogs in? <laughs> he's just done a, he's been doing a couple more uh, whiskey fireside chats. Yeah, I just watched the Chris Prouse one tonight. Yeah, so I have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, yeah, not too much is going on around here, man. It's been pretty. It's that time of year, right? Yeah, getting a lot of things done, doing a lot of, already getting ready for spring. Mm-hmm. Like events that are happening in spring, like there's the Canoe Copia, there's the Quiet Adventure Symposium, yes. the, the Canoe Symposium in Toronto. Outdoor. It's trade and show season. Yeah. And if, if you're looking to present or anything, get booths yeah, or anything like that, exactly. now is the time you've got to be mm-hmm. doing it. And a lot of the presentation things are due end of October. Oh, yeah. Which seems kind of like early to me. proposal or yeah. the, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I figured it'd be end of November. Hmm. And then I'm looking and I'm like, ooh, yeah, yeah, better... <laughs> yeah, this is kind of close now. Halloween, that's it, buddy. Yeah. So, yeah, I figure we had till the end of November to do that sort of thing. And, yeah, they don't. It's pretty pretty quick. I guess they need a plan for it, right? They yeah. Get it. It's a well, big production, right? December, January, February, March. Yeah. April. Yeah. Well, March. How much Fe- lead well, time? Fe- yeah, February, March. How yeah. much lead time do they need? Well, a few months, I guess. <laughs> well, because they've got to do all their write-ups and stuff like yes, that. Yes, exactly. Websites. So and... it's only two and a half months away till it all starts again. Mm-hmm. No, Yikes. three, three and a half months. Yeah. November, November December, January. January. Yeah, three and a half months. And then, yeah, halfway through February. This is mid-February. Like what, the Toronto Outdoor Show is early February or late January? Uh, Well, let's just see here. Oh, you got it listed? The, we have Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show, February 21st to 23rd. There you go. Quiet Adventures uh, Symposium is the 28th of February to the 1st of March. Well, the 29th of February. We go down for the few days. Canoe Copia, March 13th to 15th. So yeah, mid, uh, mid February, everything starts again. Mm-hmm. Family day weekend, we're winter camping up at the winter in the wild in Algonquin Park. Are you doing that this year? Yep. Yeah. Got space, uh, already. Didn't, we didn't actually, cause we weren't sure when Tracy was working. We didn't get a space for New Year's this year. Yeah. We didn't get one at New Year's. So. Now, when you booked i haven't looked yet but uh as i understand it ontario parks have changed the reservation system and you've got yeah you've got to get there's a new no, account and everything set up yeah and but there's also no uh unreservable sites anymore yeah because up at mew like any given event there's like 15 or 20 unreservable sites it's first come first serve and their system shows either r- already reserved yeah i think they've just taken out the unreservable yeah, parts. Yeah, so you can reserve any and all sites. Well, I don't know. I think they just put the unreservable ones as reserved. Oh, So think? you'll go up there and say, oh yeah, no, it shows as reserved, but they're unreservable. Hmm. That's my my theory. It's, yeah, but they're saying that like the, like it's supposed to be year-round now instead of, they're, they're changing the format of what is available and how it's available. Yeah. And, I don't know. So I, I haven't learned all the rules yet, but it uh, looks like there's some big changes that they did. Well, if you're going to do some online reserving on the Ontario Parks mm-hmm. page, you have to, and they say, even if you've had or have a previous login and all that account, yeah. you have to get a new one. 
So really? go in before, set yourself up with a new account, password, blah, 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 so that when you do reserve, you're already set up. So if I have to reformat or recreate my account, that means my history of old campsites is gone? Yep. Oh. Yeah. You're a whole brand new Derek. We often use that. Yep. We would go back and see when we were someplace and such and such a time and... Oh, when did we, what site did we reserve that time? We're going to get the same one next time, and that way we won't be able to pull it's that information out. a whole new up. world. Damn it. Whole new world. We actually use that information. Not anymore, you don't. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you're like me and you've saved those previous emails. <laughs> <laughs> no, I save everything, unfortunately. Yeah, so do I'll I. see if I find it. Um, yeah, other than that, I think that's, that's all that's happening right now, buddy. Mm-hmm. So... One of the things um, we haven't we've mentioned before, but haven't really gotten into depth on. Gonna we've only got two really big ones. One's a doozy. Um, the first half of our show is just we're, we're going to be talking about one thing. The second half of our show, I'm warning people right now. It may get <laughs> it may advisory. get nasty. It, there may be language advisory. Language advisory taking place. Um, <laughs> and this, yeah. So I'm warning you now. Yes. <laughs> Some words might slip through that are harmful to people's ears. Yeah. Spicy. Spicy. Those are spicy words. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, there's some spicy words in the following sections. <laughs> uh, the first one, however, dragon boat racing. Yes. I think we've talked about this twice we've, before. We've, yeah. We've only mentioned but we dragon never boats. We did a deep dive into it. Yeah. It's, it, we've, we've talked about the dragon boats in comparison to Voyager canoes. Yes. But, uh, we've never really gotten into talking about dragon boat racing. And I know out in Vancouver, um, in Toronto, there's, there's like, especially Vancouver, there's a big dragon boat, um, society, uh, yes. society, I guess. Or, yeah. I used to do dragon boating out of Port Hope and Colberg. Right. But I, I, it didn't stick. I did it a half dozen or a dozen times and it's just, I don't know, a lot of effort to get all the way out to Colberg to... So yeah, cause, well, I mean, you're in you're in Bowmanville. Yeah, it was an hour drive. But I, I think they do it in Pickering here and yeah. all that. So yeah. I'm thinking maybe next because there I was looking on the Canadian site, um, Dragon Boat Canada site, and they do training and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And one of the guys for this area is actually in Pickering. Okay. And I know there's 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 a girl I know that does the dragon boating in Pickering. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking maybe I'll hit him up and ch- chat a bit and uh, yeah. Uh, maybe next summer, I think we need to see about dragon boating. Dragon boating. <laughs> We've done everything else so far. Yeah. Let's get into a dragon boat day. It's it's a lot of work. So start exercising now, <laughs> fatty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of you, buddy. I have concerns <laughs> about you. Having a heart attack. Just <laughs> <laughs> keep going without me, boys. Keep going without me. <laughs> Is this one of those, uh, what do they call it when you... Uh, Anna, anaphylactic an, shock, an, anaerobic exercise where you overuse like it's 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 a very high output in a very short period of time. Aerobic and, exercises. I used to watch twenty minute workouts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the races aren't twenty minutes. Oh. <laughs> it's it's a lot of work right off the bat, and it's like you can barely have time to breathe. You're just pounding the water, and the one of the hardest things I had is, is coordination without whacking somebody's paddle because you all have to be in unison. Yeah. And it, it takes a lot of coordination. And I was starting to get the hang of it, but then it's just 
I don't know. It's, it's, it's you know, we've taken an hour to get there and set up, and so it was just getting to be pain in the ass. At the time, they didn't have anything closer for me. Right. There's stuff closer now, but this was like ten years ago, yeah. twelve years ago. Well, I might look into uh, doing mm-hmm. that next. Uh, yeah. Next year, but so let's talk about dragon boat racing. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about right now. The use of dragon boats for racing, believed by scholars and anthropologists. I was wondering if you're going to be able to say it properly. <laughs> anthropologists. <laughs> to have originated in South Central China more than 2,500 years ago. And this is about the same time when the Olympiads were, games were starting in Greece, ancient Greece. And the I original wonder, ones. And I wonder how, like, I don't know how things worked back then, but it, there's like, everything was word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there was, like, do, did, is it just a natural progression of society or like in a complete coincidence that the ancient Greek games were starting to be established and as at the same time this was being done? Although they were done for different reasons. I'm thinking it's pure think on coincidence. coincidence. Yeah. Pure on coincidence. I think it's coincidence. Uh, dragon boat racing has been practiced ever since. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the basis for annual water rituals, festivals, celebrations, and the traditional veneration of the Chinese dragon water deity. First participants celebrated the fifth day of the fifth lunar month of the Chinese calendar. And uh, it was held to avert misfortune, encourage rains needed for prosperity, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, tradi- you know, and their worship of the dragon, which has traditionally been a symbolic uh, symbol of water. Celebration was an important part of the ancient Chinese agricultural society, of course. I mm-hmm. mean, range, you're thinking agriculture, right? Celebrating summer rice planting. And it seems like a much tamer and more reasonable method of getting the rains to come than how the Aztecs used to do it, eh? Oh, I mean, you know, a, a couple hundred <laughs> blood sacrifices or paddle a big, long boat. <laughs> I prefer the Chinese method. <laughs> well, uh, well, especially if you were one of the sacrifices, exactly. I'm sure they would too. Yeah. <laughs> hmm, do I want to die or do I want to paddle a boat? <laughs> you know, choice, let's flip a coin. <laughs> so that was, that was the, I guess, the traditional reason yes. for it. But uh, there's a second, now doing all my research, I found an actual, a second story on how dragon boat racing started. So apparently uh, there's a legend that has it that there was this poet from the kingdom of Chu. Uh, It was banished from the kingdom after the king fell under the influence of corrupt ministers and he was falsely accused of treason. So he wandered for many, many years and composing great poetry and whatnot until he learned of Chu's defeat. Uh, I guess there was a big war or something like that. They were defeated. So he held onto a giant rock and jumped in the river to drown. Okay. Apparently the people loved him so much, they raced out in their fishing boats to the middle of the river in a vain attempt to save him. They beat on drums and splashed their oars in the water, trying to keep the dragons away from his body. Another variation says that they were trying to keep the fish from eating his body and oh, stuff okay. like that, but to keep in the theme that was changed to dragons away from his body. Yeah. Okie dokie. So that's, you know, which one you, you want to follow. You know, you get the, the myth one. They're both beautiful you know. stories. Yeah, they are. So it wasn't actually till 1970, the Hong Kong Tourist Association decided to stage an international dragon boat festival to help promote Hong Kong. Really? Yeah. So after 2,500 years, they said... <laughs> 
I got an idea. <laughs> we need to promote yeah. this stuff. <laughs> uh, 1976, the first Hong Kong International Races took place, HKIR. Uh, event recognized today as a start of the modern era of Dragon Boat as a sport. Huh. Right? So I guess before it was never really a sport. It's just something it's people It's just something did. they did for festivals yeah. and stuff like that, right? And it's developed into an annual festival of enormous success, impressive um, uh, pictures, you know, from all around the world and that sort of thing. Well, it's worldwide. Now. It is now. I mean, yeah, it's it's not just China that does yeah. does this anymore. International Dragon Boat Federation is the governing body, of course, uh, and it was founded uh, in 1991. Dragonboat.sport is their uh, website. You can go check that out. They got a lot of information there, like way too much information. Mm-hmm. As I was looking at the, uh, some of their stuff about the rules and the regulations, and at one point I just said, yeah, enough of this. Close, because <laughs> there was just way too yeah. much. Huh. Uh, Federation encourages development of the sport of dragon boat racing and of maintaining its Asian culture, historical and religious traditions, and of strengthening the bonds of friendship that unite those who practice it. And one of their big things is, it's gone beyond just China. Yes. Um, there was a there was a part I was reading about when it was first, you know, founded, this, the, the International Dragon Boat Federation. There was all these different federations. Like there was a Chinese federation, Australian federation, the U.S. federation, and they all got together and founded the International Dragon Boat Federation. So, it's, yeah, it's way beyond yeah. China. The International Canoe Federation also has their own rules and regulations for dragon boating. So they have their... Their little thing, but I think the majority of people, from what I understand, go by the International Dragon Boat Federations. So the International Canoe Federation, Canoe Federation. has rules regarding dragon, dragon boating. boating. Because it's paddling. Huh. Right? But it's they don't match. Well, you paddle. Yeah. You paddle a canoe, you paddle a dragon boat. You put two people in a canoe and you put like 14 or 15 people in a dragon boat. Oh, you can put more than that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I'm just telling you what I found out. I did my research and I found things. I've seen things. <laughs> so the dragon boat is defined as a long displacement boat of an open design that is based upon a ribless carvel form of hull construction with the following distinguishing characteristics. No stems, hard chine bilge, W in cross section, minimum freeboard, punt-like entry and exit, rockered keel that is set back from the twin rail boards, and curved shear line with upsweep extremities. Sounds Chinese to me. Yeah. Sounds great to me, man. Uh, The boat's main distinguishing features are a mythical Asian-style dragon head attached to the front and a stylized dragon tail attached to the rear, with dragon scales painted along the side of the boat. I've seen some designs of, of some. It's pretty fantastic. And there are some pretty yeah. wicked looking boats there. And they get going so fast. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's mind yeah. blowing. But I mean, yeah, just the design yeah. and the detail that they put into the these boats, like the dragon heads and, yeah. you know, and like I said, yeah, and, and scales all down the sides mm-hmm. and you're like, wow. It's done up. It yeah. is really, and they're really done. Now, a lot of them, I mean, they used to be done in teak wood. But now they're they're doing like uh, Kevlar and stuff like that, which oh, okay. is like ultralight, yeah. ultralight, yeah. ultra fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's sweet. The length of the boat may vary from eight meters to over eighteen meters, which is twenty five feet to sixty feet. Wow. 
Yeah, there's some big really ones that there. long. Yeah, yeah, and I'm trying to think of it because, and, and I mean, you're, you're you're going through all these different research places, and some say there's like some of these special ones that are like hold like 50 people. Definitely a straight line race. Oh yeah. Well, oh no. <laughs> No. I've seen videos of it going down canals with curves and they're oh. smashing into walls yes. and smashing the bow off. And Yeah. Yeah. Those are those funky canal races with the, with the yeah. dragon. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can't get around that corner fast enough, you're smashing and, and you see and the guy in the bow them. really digging in to try and make that turn and it's like somebody's going to get crushed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with internal depth of the boat according to length and purpose of the boat as does the number of people which normally exceeds 10 um, what else do they tell? Single-plated paddles, of course. Boat is steered through the use of a long steering oar that is rigged to the rear of the boat or a or with a large paddle. Yeah. And a Chinese-style drum together with a drummer's seat is situated in the bow, which the stroke cadence of the crew is usually maintained. Yeah. Now, when you were doing it, was there a, was there a drummer? We didn't have a drummer. It was just a guy in the bow that yelled... Yelled at you? Yeah, he was just like, pull, 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 or ah. whatever he yelled. I can't remember what he yelled, but he would be See, yelling at problem. us. You, just, you went with a cheap team. <laughs> a real good team would actually have a drummer with a drum yeah. in there, hammering out a beat. Yeah, like I say, I've been looking at some photos and stuff like that. I'm watching these guys just hammer, boom, 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 yeah. boom. And you're watching them just stroke, stroke with mm-hmm. their hammering, and you're just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely not where I'm starting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got something that goes like, boom. <laughs> exactly. Boom. That would be at my pick, right? <laughs> oh, new world yeah. record. 25 hours. <laughs> All right. First few times I did it, I honestly thought I was going to throw up. Oh, yeah? It's like, they want me to, That's this is a lot of battling. <laughs> did you go with like a pro team or did you just go with no, like a beginner's it was just team? A, it was just a, like a beer league type thing, right? Beer league paddling. Well, you know, it was just a bunch of guys. They drink afterwards, and it was just for fun, right? Oh, there was the problem. <laughs> afterwards. Did you not get that memo? <laughs> <laughs> Derek's showing up three sheets to the wind. All right. Let's go. After. My bad, boys. My bad. <laughs> well, that way to fuel up. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Dragon Boat Crew. Okay, so you have the racer, which is any member of the Dragon Boat. Yeah, yes. A paddler. They're the member whose specific task is to paddle. Yeah. The steerer or helm or sweep. The crew member whose specific task is to steer a boat with the aid of the steering oar or paddle. The drummer. The crew member whose specific task is to beat a drum carried on board the Dragon Boat. Gong. Here's one crew member whose task it is to beat the traditional gong beater carried on certain types of dragon boats. There are some dragon boats that actually have a gong mounted in the center. Like a brass gong? Like a brass gong. And you're hammering the gong. And you're bang, 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 wow. instead of doom, doom, doom. Yeah, you're getting a nice big old brass. I'd prefer the gong, I think, <laughs> over a drum. I'd prefer that. That'd be cool. <laughs> if, you, if the boat dumps, though, that gong's going right to the bottom that of the lake. That sounds like the gonger's <laughs> problem, not mine. <laughs> I'm a paddler guy. <laughs> I'm not a gonger. <laughs> and a flag. I've seen pictures of this. The flag. A crew member whose task it is to remove a flag placed on a buoy puller at the finish point in some races. The purpose of which is to indicate that a boat has finished a race and therefore a race time and placing order can be determined for each crew. 
So I see this guy. He's leaning over the top, uh, over the front, like over yeah. the dragon head, basically mm-hmm. laying on the cross the top of the dragon head. And as they pass a buoy, he grabs a flag yeah. off of it. So like there's this, you know, like a little. Yeah. So it's like. Like paint- one of those little flags you hang it's off like, the back of your bike. Like paintball capture the flag yeah. competition. Yeah. So the minute you grab that. Game boom, over. They hit the timer winner. and you're done. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah, that probably wouldn't be me either. Winner, winner, Dragon Boat dinner. Yeah, it wouldn't be me either. <laughs> uh, competitions. And this is where pretty soon I got into the, wow, just this too much. getting deep. Way too much information on their on the yeah. uh, th- their site. Open competitions are open to um, International Dragon Boat Federation member organizations. Non-members can compete, but this it's usually for these guys. Closed ones are organized by non-member organizations for the sole benefit of its members and crews. So that would be, would have been what I was doing. Yeah. Because it was what, when I, the crew that I joined way back when it was, it was just, uh, you get out and we went for beer afterwards and it was really just an exercise thing. It was a, it was people got together just because it was fun. You got some exercise. It was like, you know, a, like a running team or It's whatever. like a pickup shinny game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're going out there yeah. for some fun and yeah. Some exercise. Like there were some races later in the season, but it was a very short season. Right. It was like there was a six-week season or two-month season, but, you know, of it was mostly just going out and having fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, classes of international competitions. So Dragon Boat Championship Regattas, which included um, the International Dragon Boat Federation's World Championship Regattas, Continental Regattas, and Regional and National Regattas. International dragon boat races can either be festivals or sporting events. In some cases of multi-sport games, such as the Olympics, races would fall under this class. And World and Continental Cups. Uh, So those are your international ones. Competition officials, race director, chief judge, race referees, starters, head marshals, safety officials, boat marshals, boat drivers, dock masters, Timing operators at the finish line, timekeepers, results runners, announcers, and medical staff. So these, you know, as I got more into this, yeah, these are pretty serious, yeah, competitions. They are like really serious. Sounds like an administrative burden to me. Oh, there's so much information that, like I say, if you go to dragonboat.sport for the International Dragon Boat Federation uh, website. There's PDFs that you can open and start reading all the all the procedures, all the rules and regulations, all the how to run a event, all like way too much information. Mm-hmm. You'll be there for the next two months reading. And this started in 1970. Yeah, no, no, it started 2,500 years ago. <laughs> no, but like modern race. Uh, yeah, modern, modern races race. started this. This uh, started in 76, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, 200 meter, 500 meter, and 2,000 meter races tend to be the normal. The 2,000 meters are conducted as a pursuit race on a 500-meter race course by three turns over two laps. Huh. So could you imagine a 60-foot... Define lap. So a big oval. So you go around a boy. Okay. You go around a boy. There's no turning and coming back. It's just a big circle. Sort of. Like a sailboat race. Well, you go up, around a boy, back, around a boy... Back up, okay, sort of thing, and then I guess the third one come back yeah. to the start line, right? <laughs> yeah, 
could you imagine like turn, a 60 turn. foot boat <laughs> the radius i know some I know. dude's laying on that thing at the yeah. back man and it's just turning on a dime yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd be practicing that non-stop yeah so a dragon boat crew with 20 paddlers is composed of 18 to 20 paddlers yep a drummer a steerer and four substitute paddlers Dragon boats with 10 paddlers is a minimum of 8 to 10 paddlers, a drummer, a steerer, and two substitute paddlers in their respective classes. And there's a there's juniors, seniors, f- 40s and, and up, 50s and up, like the, all the different classes and, yeah. and, and age ranges. There doesn't seem, like I couldn't find anything because it goes from junior to senior. So does junior go from like eighteen to fifty? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't find exact information yeah. on that, and I think that may depend on which um, uh, federation you're with, like where you're paddling. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're in Canada, if you're in China, if you're in Australia, if you're in the states, that sort of stuff. I think maybe that'll define or whatever club you're with, that sort of thing. Uh, they may have their own. But it's kind of hard to find some information on that. So the um, did you watch any videos on this? Well, I was watching some videos, yeah. So I'm curious. I haven't seen any videos, but I've seen uh, open ocean races in Hawaii. Yeah. And when I hear substitute racers, I'm thinking of the videos I saw where a, uh, a powerboat would drop people in the water. Oh, yeah, They'd yeah. swing up on board. And so if two people came on board, two other people just jump into the, jump yeah. into the ocean and they'd get picked up by the powerboat. Is that what they were doing? No, I think about? this is in case somebody can't paddle properly or whatever, then they drop out and they've got a couple spare okay. people. Okay. Yeah. Um, the 10 seat small boats are 25 feet long and the 20 seat standard boats are 60 feet long. That's nuts. Yeah. That is crazy. That is something. That's what I learned about dragon boating. That's crazy. I'm thinking. I prefer motorboating. Yeah. I'm thinking next year, uh, like I say, there's this guy that teaches it in uh, Pickering. Okay. I think over the winter, I'm going to have a little chit chat with him. Maybe we'll get him in here to yeah. talk talk about uh, dragon yeah. boating and what he does and our get local a, club. Get and, us out for a day, see if we can puke in the water. Yeah. Yeah. See if we can like, at some point, if it got too hard. I'm just diving over. I just, <laughs> see you guys later. <laughs> Good luck to you. You know. Like, I was, it's not bad. It's it's fun. It's a good group of guys, like, depending on where you go. But it, the hardest parts that I had, and I was getting the hang of the timing. And the timing was, the timing is more embarrassing than anything because people are pissed off you because you keep whacking their paddle blade, right? Yeah. yeah. So once you get the timing down, you're not crossing strokes with the guy in front of you or behind you. And the other thing is, like, it's it's such a high output in a short amount of time that it's, seriously, I thought I was going to throw up a couple of times. Well, I mean, with the paddling, all you got to do is keep with the rhythm of the guy in front of you. Because yes. it's the first guy that would, I mean, everybody's going by the drummer, right? But yeah. you've got to think the first guy in, uh, on your side mm-hmm. is going to have a cadence. And the well, guy behind him is going to match his paddle cadence. With the way, uh, as I recall, the way it was... I was instructed when I was doing this is that you you kind of have to blindly listen to the guy beating the drum or yelling at the front of the boat. You can't be you can't be reacting you can't react visually on the paddler in front of you. You have to react by the sound of the drummer or the guy who's yelling. 
Yeah. Because you have to you have to trust that that everybody else is going to like the, your your paddle should be stabbing the water when you hear the drum beat. Boom, 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 boom or faster than that. It's it, it, and it's fast enough that you're kicking up a froth, right? You're yeah. you're slamming the water. And you're trying to get the blade as deep as you can and go as fast as you can, pull it out cleanly and, and reset. And it's, uh, you can't be watching the guy in front of you because then is you, what you, and with the way they described it to me and what I saw at that time is uh, you end up this, like a, almost like a, you know how a snake goes across ground? You can see the curve of yeah. his body. So what you see is that curve of, and not everybody's in unison, you have this rolling undulation of the paddles hitting the water so it's not as smooth and you get the most power when everybody is paddling at the same time yeah you have that compounding effort that increases the speed because if you're just like in a canoe if two people are paddling and you don't paddle at the same time you're not combining your efforts so you're you're increasing your effort instead of helping you know it's it I don't know what to factor uh, the the percentage, but it's a percentage factor harder if you're not all in unison. I think I need to be the steerer guy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> point A, point B, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sit there, lean on this bad boy back here, yeah. and you guys go to town. Yeah. But it, it was tough. It, it was, I can barely remember this, like 12 years ago. It was like in- It's time for a rerun, buddy. <laughs> Let me get this guy a call. It would be fun. I'd like to do it again. Yeah. All right. Next year. Yeah. We're in like Flint. There was no place close that I could do it here, right? Not Pickering. Well, yeah. I think Pickering is probably just as close as Coburg is to you, isn't it? Uh, Coburg's 45, 50 minutes. And Pickering is half hour? Yeah, half hour or so. Okay. So it's a little bit closer. Yeah, a little bit closer. Yeah. So I say we yeah. uh, give them a whirl. Yeah. At least for go out and try it. Yes, exactly. Right? Because yeah. like I say, I know a few people that do it. Mm-hmm. And one of them I know does it down in Pickering. Yeah. So I'll have a chit chat with them yeah. and- and this, see what it says. This would have been, I think, 2002. And I'm pretty sure it involved a girl. <laughs> so it wasn't solely my idea. It's <laughs> like, sure, I'll go let's do that go with do you. This. Hey, what do you want to do for date night? <laughs> I know. Let's get in a let's, boat with, let's start doing with 18 boating. other people. <laughs> and going a straight line yeah. really fast. Yeah, and we got there. It's like, oh, dragon boating. That's what you meant. Oh, <laughs> my bad. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what you can arrange for next year and we'll go with it. Yeah. Yes. And maybe we'll get somebody in here to talk a little bit more about uh, what's on the other side of dragon boating, the training side. Yeah. As opposed to just what it is. Yes. Excellent. Well, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we are going to talk about a very hot subject that's happening (laughs) right now and is actually developing as As we we speak. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dark Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. 
Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So this, we're going to try to keep this civil. We're going to try to keep it nice. We're going <laughs> yes, to try to, yes. This is something that's uh, come up over the last few days, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen it on various uh, social media sites. Backcountry.com. So the other day, uh, the Colorado Sun website has this article. Backcountry.com sues anyone who uses its namesake. Is this bullying or just business? So a year ago, uh, they filed for trademark protecting the word backcountry for all sorts of outdoor gear as the online retailer launched its first ever branded jacket, skis and apparel and stuff like that. So backcountry.com says, okay, backcountry is ours, trademark. If anybody uses it, we're suing you. And that's what they've done. (laughs) Um, Litigious nightmare. It is. And so the, (laughs) the trademark database shows 316 businesses using backcountry. And this is just U.S. U.S. List includes guides, outfitters, safety gear, first aid kits, cooking pots, food, cigars, film festivals, automaker, car trim packages and tires, vape oils, coffee, liquor, bedding, body wash, dog food, yoga classes, lodges, and all variety of hunting and angling equipment. <laughs> so it's like... Profit business, not for profit business. It's it's you know the the Boy Scouts for America. It's it's yeah. like there there's you can't sue people. Well, apparently you can, but you shouldn't be able to sue people for the use of a common word like road, tree, mountain, river. Yeah, yeah. Um, if that's the case, if I can do that, I am because my I have Raging River Studios. Yeah, river. So anybody that uses river. river. <laughs> See, I think what their, where their argument is like, there's, there's a, a couple companies like backcountry denim or whatever. So it's a combination of several words. So raging river studios, you have river in there, but backcountry.com, their whole name is just backcountry. Back yeah. So, I, I, and that's where I think they're sourcing their argument from. So, but, re, but regardless, it's a common term, a common name. It's like, like mountain river. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's it's a word that people use to denote the outdoors. Yeah. Uh, and, so and they're they're what they've sued fifty people so far since what late 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. and so they're they're hitting a lot of little mom and pop little small outgrowth market things. Right, they're not going after anybody huge or big. So it seems like they're trying to uh, get a whole bunch of wins under their belt to create momentum in further court proceedings right so at least that's my take on it that's what that's the impression i get but well, still it's it's dirty yeah several companies on this list of the 316 yeah. a lot of them have either changed their name recently yeah or just let their trademarks expire because yes. they know what's coming yeah they, how can you afford it if you if you have like really thin margins you can't afford thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars to battle this no no and, and like you say it's the little companies they're going after yeah so there's this one guy Jordan Phillips a uh, longtime outdoor industry executive he launched backcountry denim in 2017 after raising $41,000 on Kickstarter. Yes. And 
they decided, well, you know what? Sorry. Nope. We're going to serve you with a petition. And, uh, uh, you know, if you don't change your name, we're going to sue you. Yeah. And um, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, and, so, and for his case, and for a lot of people's cases, it's yeah you, you have to weigh how important your name is. So he came up with backcountry denim, which is it's just some words that he wasn't he. In I don't know the 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 argument is still out there. It's in the courts whether it's an infringement or not. But him like others have folded just because yep. it's like, is it worth thousands and thousands of dollars to battle this? Or do I just cave, give in and save myself money? It's like, yeah. it's like, you, you know. Typical... Well, he, he changed it to BD Co. BD Co. Right. Yeah. So from uh, backcountry denim yeah. to be, and he says, the but I can't tell you what BD stands for. Yeah. That's part of the, the deal. <laughs> the agreement. Yeah. Right. Which is like garbage. Yeah. So he says the backcountry or the the e-commerce retailer backcountry.com has targeted just about every business in the country using the word backcountry, but it has not hassled backcountry access, which is owned by private equity giant Kohlberg and Company, because they are so massive. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what people are saying. No, they're only going after, after the, the little little, little people, they're the little trying mom and pops. To build their name, build their case to show that they own the name. I imagine if they're depending on number of successes, they might go after the big guy. But that big guy that you just mentioned, they've been around longer than Backcountry.com. Yeah. yeah. So the recently, um, well, last month, September, I guess it's November now, so two months ago. They went after David, I got to say it's Olila. 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 Something like that. Uh, He's he's an entrepreneur. In 2010, he created a short ski for climbing snowy hills, and he called the Marquette Backcountry Ski because he's from Marquette. Yeah. Right? Uh, And it's a backcountry ski. That's what it's used for when you're in the backcountry. It's specifically used for backcountry travel. So they sued him in a California U.S. district court in San Diego, arguing that his conduct has caused irreparable harm to the company's trademark and damages that will be proven in trial. Uh, Okay. Defendants' actions were undertaken intentionally to obtain an unfair advantage over backcountry.com and is conscious disregard of backcountry's rights and were malicious, oppressive, and or fraudulent. Backcountry requests punitive and exemplary damages in an amount sufficient to punish and deter defendants and to make an example of them. To which Olila says, the company wants three times all the profits he's ever made selling the Marquette's backcountry Mm -hmm. ski, as well as legal fees and a penalty. Which is basically breaking your back. They're forcing him to fold. Yeah. You're you're, you're driving him into bankruptcy. He's going to lose his house, his everything. Yeah. Like, what does that show, right? So, um, he's basically said, yeah, no, <laughs> no. He's standing up. He's going to stand up. And good to them, for him, right? So, well, and that's the problem is a lot of people they don't have the money or or anything. If he's got nothing to lose, then he may as well, right? Yeah. Um, now there's so backcountry.com is facing huge backlash on social media as they should as they should so this is like i said this has just come out the last couple days really and 
Uh, as news spreads about backcountry.com's recent slew of legal allegations or actions against small business owners using the word backcountry in their name, so is public outrage. Within a few days of Colorado Sun's story, which was Halloween, I do believe it came out. So that was what, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten days ago? Mm-hmm. Um, boycottbackcountry.com. A Facebook page has more than 4,500 members. Well, now as we're talking. It's like. On, well, Wednesday evening of this week, the November 6th, 2019, there was almost 13,000. Yeah. That has jumped that fast. And a GoFundMe page has collected money to support Marquette Backcountry Ski in fighting. Good for them. People are pissed. Yeah. Twitter and Instagram, hashtag boycott backcountry. So yeah, everybody's right against this thing. You know what? Yeah, you're targeting the little guy. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, uh, they're calling for it. So there's this Jenny Verrochi, Verrochi, I guess it'd be Verrochi, started Backcountry Nitro uh, last year in Boulder with a Kickstarter, which is, you know, big thing. A lot of people do that. She received a cease and desist letter this fall and saying, hey, uh, you can't use that word in your organic cold brewed coffee brand. And the company settlement offer said she could continue to sell backcountry nitro coffee, but she could not advertise, market, or sell online. That's like killing you. So basically you hope people walk into your store and, and buy it. And discover it. Yeah. Like that, what is that? Without access to the internet, there's no marketing. No. Uh, given their circumstances, I believe this is quite fair, said their <laughs> their lawyer, Ben White. Uh, although you may disagree, this that is what happens when you adopt an infringing trademark. Imagine if you tried to sell goods in an online store named Amazon Nitro. Do you think Amazon would allow that? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, uh, Viroki responded by saying that the ability to sell product without marketing means there is no settlement. Yeah. So they're basically saying, yeah, you know what? You can sell it, but you can't market it. Well, it's, no one's going to buy it. So they're basically forcing her out of business. The domain backcountrynitro.com, which she owned, is of great value. And if you would like me to rebrand, what is the name worth to you? She wrote back to them. To which they responded, this lawyer, white guy, uh, responded that she does not appreciate the seriousness of the matter and urged her to consult a trademark attorney. That's just a smarmy answer. Yeah. This is not going away. If your next communication is anything other than a complete acceptance of settlement terms, we will understand you have no intent to comply with our client's requests and we will proceed accordingly. Please be aware that my client will not be inclined to resolve the matter amicably if it's forced to oppose your application or formally litigate the matter. Hmm. So they're going after this girl. Yeah. Who started this. Very slim. Very slim. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she, she raised money off a Kickstarter and that to get this business. Is that not what America was? Cause it's, and I'm saying that because it's American company. Is that not what they're formed at? Like, is that what, not what they're saying? The American dream, start your business, you know, like. (laughs) Not anymore, apparently. Yeah. Not anymore. You know what? Uh, this is, this, uh, so faced with potentially devastating lawsuit, she caved. She rebranded her company as Wild Barn Coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. It costs a lot of money to rebrand and they kind of put me out of business for a little bit. 
It's been a stab to the heart, but I feel better knowing that company's actions are being seen and is getting heard. It makes me feel a little less alone. So yeah, they she's starting this company. She's all happy. It's going good. And then they step in and just hammer her. Like, what is that? It's, it's frustrating. It's greed. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's yes. 100% yeah. greed. That's all it is. So attorney John Branch uh, took a bit of a different approach. So his client, Backcountry Discovery Routes, a Seattle nonprofit, provides GPS maps of official or sorry of off-highway cross-country routes for motorcycle travelers, with more than thirty thousand members. And he countered Backcountry's uh, petition for cancellation by. Uh, submitting his own petition to cancel Backcountry's yeah, trademarks. There you go. And of course, there you know what? Um, he, well, he says the term Backcountry is widely used by retailers and consumers to describe products and services to be used in remote, sparsely inhabited rural areas. <laughs> the Backcountry. Yeah, he says he called Backcountry a generic term, which it is. Right. Well, of course, Backcountry's guy comes back and says. Uh, yeah, your argument is incomplete, threadbare recitals of an elements of genericness. They're, they're being lawyers. This is what they're doing is they're, they're being do, lawyers. They're but it's it. just, it's, it's why you like to dislike lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. So now something's happened. There is a little settlement, um, that they, I guess, backcountry.com said they can continue to use their backcountry discovery routes thing and what the settlement is. And that's the problem. Anybody that settled are not allowed to talk about it. Yeah. Not allowed yeah. to talk about anything. NDA. Right? So, uh, what's the country that is the oldest with Backcountry in its name? Backcountry Access? Yeah. So they provide products to backcountry.com. Yep. They're a bigger company. They're an older company. It'd be neat to see if they would, is it would just be, it wouldn't make sense for them to do it, but... For them to sue backcountry.com for the use of the name. There's actually, that's the talk this evening. Oh yeah. Last evening. Uh, about how many of these companies are now going to turn around and sue backcountry. Yeah. First they've, they've had it first. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see what yeah. happens. Huh. So everybody's been saying, what's the deal? What's the deal? What's the deal? Backcountry CEO, Jonathan Nielsen. Nobody's heard from him. And then all of a sudden... Um, now we're recording Wednesday night and as we were coming on air to start recording this, uh, tonight's pod, today's podcast. It was very timely. Very timely. All of a sudden there is, is a news release. So yeah, just, I mean, you're walking down the stairs to come down here and all of a sudden this little thing pops up saying, Hey, check this out. Uh, in his first interview since the public outcry. Jonathan Nielsen says the company was not trying to expunge backcountry from everyone's lexicon, shut down entire organizations, or exclusively own the word. Yes, they were. I understand that people are disappointed in us and feel let down by us. I take it. I take that very seriously. What's hard is now we're being portrayed in the market. It's tough to tell our story because we have different credit, uh, confidentiality agreements. But what I will tell you is what is being said is not reflective of how we behave in the market, how we treat partners, and how we treat people. We were never holistically trying to own the term backcountry. <laughs> but their actions prove different. Yeah. 
It's true. It's true that because backcountry's defense a number of small businesses and even a few nonprofits changed their names and halted their businesses, paid lawyers and spent hours going over trademark law and endured distress from being involved in a legal battle with a prominent online retailer. Mm-hmm. It's true that small business owners viewed by public as non-competitors have said they felt threatened, bullied, and forced into certain results by backcountry and its legal counsel. Yeah, if you don't have the money to fight them, you have to bow. You have, yeah, you have no choice. Uh, it's also true that Nielsen never saw this backlash coming, being vilified for doing something other companies have been doing for years, protecting trademarks. This is different. This is a bit different, and everybody even agrees this is different. In a prepared statement, Backcountry addressed a number of issues and announced its decision to stop uh, a pending lawsuit against Marquette Backcountry Skis. In, so they've actually dropped the mm-hmm. lawsuit against Marquette uh, Backcountry Skis. This uh, Olilla, David Olilla. I think it's too little too late. Yeah. Right? Uh, if nobody, if the public had not jumped up and said, dude, what are you guys doing? We're not standing for this. He would, they would still be going ahead with the lawsuit. Oh yeah, I don't care oh, what yeah. you say. They yeah. they would have. They're they're thinking they're the bottom line now. They caught their hand. They're as you described. They, they got, got their hand caught in the cookie, cookie jar. jar. That's yeah. exactly what happened. Uh, we so this is the letter that they've they've released today, or yesterday now I guess. We have heard your feedback and concerns and understand we fumbled in how we per- pursued trademark claims recently. We made a mistake. In an attempt to protect the brand we have been building for nearly 25 years, we took certain actions that we now recognize were not consistent with our values and we truly apologize. It's important to note that we tried to resolve these trademark situations amicably and respectfully, and we only took legal action as a last resort. That said, we know we mishandled this and we are withdrawing the Marquette backcountry action. We will also re-examine our broader approach to trademarks to ensure we are treating others in a way that is consistent with the culture and values envisioned by our founders and embraced by our community. We only want what's best for the whole community and we want every person and business in it to thrive. Backcountry has never been interested in owning the word backcountry or completely preventing anyone else from using it, but we clearly misjudge the impact of our actions. We understand that this step we've taken may not be enough for some of you. The hope is that we can ultimately win back your trust, even if it takes time. We are grateful to be part of your lives, providing with great gear for your outdoor adventures. And all we want is to do is to go back to doing what we do best. We intend to learn from this and become a better company. Horse crap. Yeah, it's too a little too big late. load yeah. of horse crap. They are simply responding according to their bottom line. This is not, they yeah. didn't have a change of heart. No. They, they realized what they're doing was wrong. Yeah. And so, but the, the, to fix it, they need to do more than just say, okay, we're going to stop suing people. They need to compensate the people that have already sued. Yeah. Right. We've tried to resolve these trademark situations amicably and respectfully and only took legal action Crap. as a last resort. Yeah. When you've got a, they got $5 billion yeah. in their coffers. Yeah. yeah. And you're going up against somebody that's yeah. got $41,000? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's yes. ridiculous. What, what amicability is there in that? Yeah. Of course they feel threatened. Of course they're not going to want to do it amicably. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What a load of horse crap. I'm sorry, but so more than eleven that well, more than thirteen thousand people have joined the Facebook group boycottbackcountry.com. 
handful of members changed their profile pictures to Backcountry's all-white big-horned goat logo with a red slash through it. Others have taken videos of them scraping their goat stickers off gear. So Backcountry has this longhorn Ibex goat yes. thing as their logo. And of course, you get the sticker, you put it on your gear, your snowboard, your whatever you've got. Well, people are peeling that off now, saying like, you guys are, you know, crap. The hashtags, uh, hashtag boycott backcountry and hashtag backcountry boycott are gaining more and more posts. Other threads on Mountain Project Forum is titled Backcountry is Not Playing Nice. One Olympic snowboarder has said he's done with backcountry and he's he's only one out of thousands of customers with impassioned words. They have the facade of being outdoorsy, but they're not, he said. They're a profit-driven e-commerce superstore. I think if you just scrape off the facade, it's no different than a Walmart, a Costco, or a Target. Like, pure, unadulterated greed. Absolutely. What, what is the, the, the point of saying, well, we're trademarking backcountry and then saying, well, we're not trying to stop everybody from using it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the whole point of a trademark. Yeah. Like, why are you, why are you suing people and then saying, well, we're not telling you you can't use it. Well, yeah, yeah, you are. They're standing in a position of power because they have a giant war chest of cash, $5 billion. And so they're, they're the bully in the schoolyard. They're, uh, they're using their strength of power and position to unfairly take charge of the of the name backcountry they're not doing it for no altruistic reasons they were not even the first ones to use the name in their in their business title they are just simply saying hey we got a lot of money let's uh beat up some little guys and uh and they're in theory they're trying to strengthen their position by having 50 small companies fold mm -hmm. right and they're very carefully picking what companies, right? So this, I can imagine if if the actions of, of the uh, recent couple of days hadn't happened, they would have progressed onto bigger and bigger companies, right? Over I would the next think so. couple of years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because they had precedence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So somebody's taken um, this letter of, letter to our community, and they've drawn little arrows to certain parts of this letter with their own comments. Yes, that's really good. Okay, you're going to see this <laughs> meme everywhere now. Yeah. So the one part of the first line, we made a mistake, means we're sorry we got caught. Uh, another one says, we only took legal action as a last resort, meaning when small shops refuse to bend to our lawyer's threats. Uh, the part that says, in attempt to protect the, the brand we have been building for 25 years, means we bought the company a couple years ago because it would make money. <laughs> and uh, where's the other one here? Oh yeah, uh, want every person and business in it to thrive, meaning except people that use backcountry and goats. <laughs> and the last one here, which which is what I've been saying along all along, we intend to learn from this and become a better company, meaning we hope you forget all about this before Black Friday. Exactly right. Yeah. Black yeah. Friday hits, man. Cyber Monday, yeah. just before Christmas and everything. And if if, if this goes south and they start losing, they're going to lose a ton, an absolute ton of money. So, so yeah, I, I yeah, this is this isn't done. They may think their little letter here is, oops, sorry, we're going to withdraw and all this sort of. But you know what? 
to um uh, to sorry. make it a better community, people have to band together and push back against stuff like this, right? Yeah. This this type of bullying, this type of industry bullying and business bullying is 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 not right on many levels. No. This uh, Jenny Verroki with the, the coffee backcountry back nitro, the yeah, the yep. cold brew coffee girl, they need to reimburse her everything, yeah, absolutely, all the money, yeah, and then some. Yes. For all the emotional everything, they I don't know if she she's got a she can go back and sue them now. Sort of thing. Well, you know, to be up and up, up and up about this, what they need to do is is help her rebrand back to Backcountry Nitro, yeah, and and put things right, right? Yeah, and, or and, just give her all the money and everything that she's put into it, and then extra to help her out, yeah, with the with the company. This BD Co guy, the the Backcountry Denim, yeah, same deal, yeah, exactly. All these people that they've yeah. screwed over now, Any money that they need to make it right, yeah. So saying, oh, we're sorry. But no, you know they're not going to do it. You're sorry because you got caught. And yes. this sort of crap, this is what's wrong with the planet. Yes. Right there. That's well, all not, I got to say. For the planet as a whole, but mostly for the U.S. And it's that uh, litigious society that they've gotten themselves into. And, and it's really, it's only the lawyers that ever profit from this kind of thing, right? And the, the big law businesses, the big uh, the big companies, they, they stand to profit huge from stuff like this. So they promote it. To, you know, you see the ads on TV and and whatnot it's what they're doing is they're creating a society of litigious people who who see suing as a method of earning income yeah so, well that's, you know that's I mean? all it is yeah the minute something happens let's yeah. sue exactly so and i find stuff like this when you sue and we, like the the most ridiculous is class action lawsuits yeah we're going to get 50 million dollars and we're going to have all in the end the lawyers are going to get like most of that and each person is going to get a check for five bucks something um, like that yeah thanks for your efforts yeah right? yeah you know what when i look at this um it's bullying it is bullying it is bullying yes and we're sitting here telling our kids yeah bullying is it's not wrong. right yeah it is wrong stand up against it yet here we are as a same crap different forum yeah. you know we're not on a playground we're in business mm-hmm. and this is just plain out no yeah. bullying what is it? What is this teaching yeah. the future kids? Now I can understand if somebody has a let's suppose their their goat symbol. Mm-hmm. Fine, nobody should use that. That's your symbol, yeah. just like the Nike swoosh and so on, right? Yeah. But when it comes to a simple term like mountain, river, backcountry, I don't think you should be able to no. own that. No. And any judge that this goes before and says, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they should be I don't think any the of these have gone to a judge yet. I think yeah. all of these have been settled. If 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 this goes to a judge and he goes, yeah, you guys can't use the word backcountry. Yeah. yeah. What's the matter with you? Exactly. Simple You'd as hope that. that's the way it's going to go, but you never know with courts and... Yeah. Ay, 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 ay. Good times, buddy. And this is why we yeah. don't talk about stuff like this on the yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. who wants to get political next week? <laughs> no way. No, 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 no. Anyway, we'll that. we'll we'll call it a day at there. If you go to backcountry boycottbackcountry.com Facebook and stuff like that, it's out there. Just Google it and you're gonna come across tons of articles and I'm stuff. I'm sure tons of people have already heard about it. Like you tried to invite me to the uh, Facebook group and Martin Garster has already invited me to it. Yeah, so. you've been invited how yeah. many times? Yeah, I a couple. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at this right now and I saw 13,741 7. yeah. members on a Wednesday evening. And this started at 45. <laughs> so like, wow, this yeah. is really gaining momentum. Yeah. So anyway, 
besides all that, Dragon Boating and uh, Backcountry.coming. Yeah. You got anything else? No, no. Is that it? I'm all riled up now by this. Oh, I can't I Let's go outside and fight. <laughs> Let's go knock on the neighbor's door and see if they want to get in a fight. Yeah. There's going to be fisticuffs outside on yeah. the street. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast download sites. You can download or stream our episodes on the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com. Check out our YouTube channel. There are three new videos there yes. of the Burt Reynolds Memorial yep. River Run. Memorial River Run? Yeah, yeah BMRR. Yeah. Uh, there's, so there's there on there. And if you, have in, any, if you have any ideas for guest blogs, send them our way because we're still looking for more people to send in some guest blogs. Uh, other than that, I think that's about it. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Dirk Spest. We'll see you next time.